With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right. Uh, we are joined uh, by Anonymous Eagle ace contributor um, Ben Snyder. Um, ben, uh, how does it feel to be the second guest on the revamped Anonymous Eagle podcast? I feel like it's a big honor. I'm going to say... I should have been the first. I'll, I'll say it. I'm bigger Ow. than Andy. Wow. That's uh. Actually, that... Ben's in Milwaukee. They him and Andy have to fight. Shot <laughs> fired right there across the bow. No, Andy's great. Uh, it's a it's a big time honor to be the second guest. So I'm happy to be here and uh, give a little insight on what I'm doing and provide some other hot takes. Yeah, that was that's that's the answer I was looking for. Um, okay, so we are taping this. Um, about oh how long has it been since the season ended sam probably uh, like three weeks now i would say you mean that when my heart was ripped into or when basketball stopped yeah when when john morant uh took a deuce on your soul well we we recorded one right after that sort of just hot taking the the whole yeah. wojo situation and now that we've had time to calm down yeah it's been two and a half weeks maybe two weeks yeah. but um now that we're sort of drifting into off-season mode this may be part of a larger off-season podcast. This may be its own independent thing. We're not quite sure what we're going to do with that yet. But um, but regardless, we've got Ben. Yeah. Uh, and Ben is going to talk about um, sort of... It's not the, uh, not the cracked sidewalks, scrambled eggs, sports movie bracket. Uh, ben has... No, <laughs> not, not even close to that sort far, of detail, no. Far be, it, far be it from us to actually talk about basketball. Yeah, but um, Ben being our uh, our advanced stats wizard, um, we, we have put out the Ben signal a couple times on this podcast. Uh, I think most recently it was about uh, the the worst was it the worst offense to make the tournament or the uh, it was I think it was the worst defense to make a final four run. And I think I did like Elite Eight, Sweet Sixteen also and gotcha. yeah. tried to make it a little bit bigger than sure. that i promise my advanced stat skills are excel functions and like well the basic i mean that that's about six thousand more functions than i have so <laughs> um ben being our our he, he's our resident advanced stats guy no matter what he says um he has an advanced stats slash just um larger offense off-season project he wants to talk about so i'm gonna sit back and let him plug what he's going to be asking of you the loyal listeners yeah, so this is an interactive project, and so that's kind of why I wanted to get on this podcast in order to proclaim the good word, because it involves input from you guys, and so the basic concept is that defensive stats for basketball on a macro level for teams overall are good. Like, you go to a Ken Palm Marquette's numbers, you can see that they're top 50 defense because of this reason, this reason, this reason. But when you look at the individual level, stats kind of suck because we're limited by play-by-play data. And for individual players, that is blocks and steals, essentially. And, mm-hmm. like, 
fouls committed. But whereas on offense, you get like free throw rate, free throw percentage, two point percentage, assists, turnovers, all this type of stuff. And so in order to fully get the big picture of how good an individual defender is, you kind of need to be watching the game. And so that's kind of where like some of those Twitter trolls will be yelling at me like, oh, watch the game. Don't just like say numbers and all that type of stuff. And so this is me saying, all right, well, here you go. We're going to marry the two and we're just going to put numbers to your observations. And so what I did, I kind of borrowed this. A lot of my advanced stats interest comes originally from baseball. And one of the writers that I follow, his name is uh, Tom Tango. He wrote a really good book about baseball that I could rant about, but he has a baseball offseason project in which fans of different teams will go to their team's page and they will rate their defenders on their team based on different attributes. And so I'm kind of doing the same thing with like slightly different goals. And so basically where this turns to you, the fan, is that there's going to be like a bunch of links posted here in the next week or so one of them will be the full written out intro to this tomorrow so you don't have to you don't have to be taking notes right now so you can read that and then there will be poll pages for each individual player and so what i want you to do is to click on those links and vote for every market defender for six different defensive attributes and there i haven't pulled up length so like height arm wingspan all that stuff uh strength like that's pretty self-explanatory um i had this as vertical leap last year by the way this is my second year doing this yeah that's right i remember this now that you're talking about it mm-hmm. yeah so originally it was vertical leap i kind of wanted to account for like defense and or defensive rebounding and shot contesting but i kind of Felt like it'd be better just do shot contesting. There, that's a little bit more black and white. Um, so, like, how good is a player at closing out on his shooters? That type of stuff. Uh, lateral quickness: Is he able to stay in front of quicker defenders? Can he stay in front without fouling? And then we have intelligence: so general court awareness, anticipating passes not making dumb mistakes. And then we have general hustle, like the hashtag grit, that type of thing. So is he trying hard? Is he just kind of dogging it out there? And so those are the the six categories. And so you'll vote on those. I'll put them into a spreadsheet, try and make some sense of it. And then I'll give some of my overall impressions. And then in addition to that, there's kind of, not in addition, but along those lines, the four rules that I have for voting. So the first one is that I don't really care if you watch every single Marquette basketball game. I don't want to fan shame here. I don't want to be like, only only the top 10 percentile of fans can accurately give a full depiction of how these offenders are because even people like the anonymous eagle writers and podcasters there are some things that we missed over the course of the year there were 30 well sam, well, sam is, doesn't miss anything but 
Okay, that's true, yeah. Well, I guess we can do a separate voting page for just Sam, and so that will be the <laughs> official one. This will just be kind of a fun exercise for us. There's yeah. really no point to it, but you know what? It gives you guys something to do, because we I need those clicks. It's, it's, it's off-season. Like, come on. Yeah. But for the mortals of the Marquette basketball fandom, there will be stuff that gets kind of filtered out just through the fog of our own memories. And so every little bit that you can pick up and give an observation to, that's that's helpful. Um, and along those same lines, I don't want you to be looking at numbers. Even though they're limited, I don't want you to... I don't know, go on synergy or something like that and look at points per possession on these types of plays or something like that. I really am just looking for your own observations because, again, I'm trying to fill in the gaps of what these defensive stats are lacking. And so the whole theory behind this is that like 100 observant viewers are going to be about as good, if not better, than some of the traditional stats if those are lacking and have certain biases towards them. Sure. Um, different thing. Okay. Someone last year on Sam Hauser's voting page mm-hmm. commented that he passes up on too many shots. So his intelligence isn't going to be rated as high in this guy's opinion. Mm. This right. shouldn't need to be said. My fellows, this is a defensive thing, right? Like, holy that, God, okay. Shooting is not defense, is, yes. is what you're... Please. <laughs> okay. Please don't very, make me throw... Very, don't make me throw your... Dude, yeah. yeah. Um, and then probably the most important one is I want, like, a specific baseline here, so I don't want the player's position to be taken account for. And so the example that I gave was, if you recall... Way, way, way back in 2018, there was a player on Villanova named Jalen Brunson. I remember him. Wow, yeah, wow, yeah. Big wow, you mean the that. National Player of the Year? Yeah, 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 exactly. I, I know, it's a real deep cut there. But, so Jalen Brunson, for a guard, has like a 10 out of 10 strength. But... If you were to try and post up on, I don't know, Udoka has a bouquet for Kansas, Udoka would, like, maybe eat him alive. And so, because of that difference, if we're rating Jalen Brunson on the scale of all basketball players, he's probably about a 6 out of 10 strength, above average for, like, a guard, but overall, 6 out of 10 strength. And so, that's what I want you to take into account. So, mm-hmm. don't look at a center and be like, oh, he's quick for a center. No, just quickness overall. That's it. And then we can kind of figure out where certain positions should be after the fact and when that's all processed and everything. So that's the general long and short of it. Um, Another thing that I do want to reach out for for some fan help is that, uh, like I said earlier, my skills are limited to Excel, and so mm-hmm. last year I just had this mountain of data that I just didn't really know how to do with. I didn't really have a point of reference, and so it made it difficult for me to put these things into like the context of a full 
slate of college basketball. And so if there's anyone out there who like knows how to like really, really make sense of all this and like put specific quantities to it, please reach out to me. Uh, I got Twitter DMs open at Ben Snyder 94. Um, yeah, Ben's overall DMs are open. If there's yeah, one DMs are open. Hey, ladies, ladies, <laughs> line up. Anyway, um, I say this. I'm going to hop in really quick and say that uh, please. Uh, what Bruce City 77 Allen um, might be a good person to reach out to. Um, so we're definitely going to mention him. Um, follow he work. He does some work for Cracked Sidewalks. Um, I know he put together a lot of the bracketology stuff they did this year. He did. Yes. Um, ran the S curve. So uh, Allen, if you're listening, um, be sure to reach out to Ben. I'm sure your 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 help uh, dissecting some stats would be big. Um, ben, do you have anything else you want to say? Because I do have a couple questions. Uh, yeah, just overall goals. I'm trying to determine in part lineup construction and how effective the coaching was because if the sum of Marquette's parts as individuals was like really, really bad in your eyes, but they were a top 50 defense in spite of that, then that's kind of indicative of good coaching on Wojo. But last year, one of the takeaways was that the sum of Marquette's parts was actually better than the horrific defense that we actually saw. And so I kind of use that as a as a little bit of a negative on Coach Wojo, if uh, if I can be so bold as to say the 168th ranked overall defense is a bad thing. Um, How dare you! <laughs> but like because of like those fans out, fan observations, I kind of came away thinking that because we're eliminating Andrew Rousey and because we're adding Ed Morrow and Joseph Chartier two plus defenders that the defense is actually probably going to be better than we'd initially thought. And that ended up coming to fruition. And we ended up being a lot better than even like the Ken Palm and the T-Rank projections had. So it's because of like the fan observations that I was a lot more, I had a lot more of a positive outlook on the defense coming into this year. And so I think that's the type of thing that we can really build momentum on and have some progress towards. Sure. So that's that. All right. Sam, uh, what, yeah. Yeah. So, so, yeah, just a couple quick things. So, obviously, um, you're, you're reaching out to the fans of Marquette Basketball to give some observations. And I, I, I'm going to make a plug here that please make honest observations. Don't just go, oh, well, we got stomped all over by John Moran. Everybody sucked. Um, mm-hmm. You know, please, please be honest about it. But um, that's your fans not allowed also. Get out of here. <laughs> Scum. Um, so a, I'm assuming you're going to have some sort of catch all for like somebody giving all ones. Yeah, I did have, uh, in my recap last year, I gave my Google spreadsheet and I had the list of all the results just raw. And then I had another tab that said filter liars. Cause there were some people that like someone put Matt Heldt's height or length as a one. And I was like, hey, good one, dude. And <laughs> That yeah, I deleted okay. it. I also had a couple roommates that found out about my project and just gave in random numbers, and I had to give them a stern talking to. They're probably going to sure. do it again this year. All right. Um, yeah. So there'll, there'll be some sort of filtering on it. Um, yep. Then I'm also assuming too that uh, while it is primarily a fan-driven observation, I'm sure you're still taking into account some things that are um, advanced stats worthy. Some maybe some Ken Palm metrics or. 
um, you know, like maybe like steal percentage or block percentage, or, or are you not doing that? Uh, yeah. So like, if you noticed at the beginning of the year that like Joseph Chartuni had like a high steal rate, and that initially led to you making some observations, then I don't want you to completely forget that he's good at stealing the basketball. But in determining whether or not a player is a six or an eight in some certain category, don't try looking up, all right, what are this guy's numbers? We can compare to the actual like team macro numbers afterwards. Okay. Um, and then I guess... Pat, I'm, I'm not sure if you, you grabbed any list of questions or anything. Um, and then the the last one I want to sort of clarify, and this is mainly because um, this is something that I paid a lot of attention to while we were playing defense this year, mm-hmm. uh, was the off-ball defense. So uh, you, you listed your six categories, and I'm assuming off-ball mm-hmm. defense is going to come in to play mostly in that defensive intelligence stat, correct? Mm-hmm. Yep, okay. absolutely. That, so that's just good for somebody like me who's going to consider off-ball defense um, to know that you know, it's there, there's not its own category or it doesn't play into like length or anything. It's it's just in that defensive intelligence. OK, that's a that's all I had. Pat, you got any questions for? Him yeah, or? I guess I would just say generally, uh, Ben, for you, do you believe or do you value uh, on ball defense or more post traditional? Uh, basically, do you value a better version of Sakar Anum or Theo John <laughs> um if you if you're trying to say what who is the best defender uh i mean i can give my general take on that i don't want that to necessarily oh, sure. influ- influence others um i would probably say like like i've been vocal about this over the course of the year i think that Brendan Bailey was the best defender on the team last year by far okay. because of like his length and quickness, even though he wasn't the strongest guy ever. Like I think next year, if he gets put on a traditional power forward or something like that, and he gets posted up, he's probably going to get like kicked in the shins or something like that. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that matters necessarily as much as we kind of go more into the Villanovas of the world where it's just a lot of wings and spacing and iso ball and stuff like that. Those quickness and length categories are probably going to end up being a little bit more important than things like strength. And so that's kind of the, another thing that I'm struggling with right now. I have all those six categories weighted completely equally, and I'm not sure if those need to be adjusted a little bit or something like that. We're in the second year of this, and I'm, I'm like a 24 shithead, 24 year old shithead. So I've got time to figure this out. But that's sure. just something that has been on my mind a little bit as I've been doing this. Sure. All okay. Right. Well, we've kind of I think covered what you wanted to say about the um, the project. Um, do you want to uh, give us some general Marquette takes while we have you on here? I do, there was one thing that has been on my mind recently. So Mick Cronin noted Crick Monin. Crick Monin. <laughs> noted person and current UCLA basketball coach question mark. First yeah. off, initial take about that. His black suits are going to have to go, right? Like UCLA's court is just so bright and their colors are... <laughs> 
whatever they are, I'm kind of like, really say that. Such a inside take on that hot <laughs> for everyone like, that's it's just popping be... it. It's bad. He's going to stick out like a sore thumb and just being all short and Yeah, well, that's probably a concern. All that. Stick out as like a short Midwestern person in like the middle of L.A. Yeah, exactly. He's, he's just not going to fit in there. But overall, I was thinking about the Cincinnati era as a whole under Mick Cronin, and it led me to a poll that I saw. It was regarding baseball a few years ago, but it was in the time where the Boston Red Sox, if you recall, went on a streak where like one year they'd be just absolutely terrible, and then the next all of a sudden, they're World Series contenders. And then on the flip side, at the exact same time, the Detroit Tigers were just consistently good to great, but they never made anything out of it. And I thought about the McCronin era where he just had, like, I'll read off his seeds right now. 6, 6, 10, 5, 8, 9, 6, 2, 7. Like, that's a lot of, like, good teams with, like, the occasional great sprinkled in there. So, as it relates to Wojo, would you take those sorts of results if they happened every year? Or would you like something a little bit more fluctuating where maybe once every 10 years there's, like, a slam-dunk national title contender couple years of like decent teams and then a lot of just flops uh that's a good question um i think i would take i mean i think i would take what mick cronin did at cincinnati at marquette because i don't think it would be possible to do as bad as mick cronin did once you got to the tournament that's my point exactly was literally yeah as long as you can guarantee that we're not flopping out in the round of 64 or in the first weekend every time yeah every time he was one of those seeds i i think sweet 16 that whole stretch also oh yeah yeah i mean like time yikes the chances of if you're consistently getting seeds in the top eight you're gonna eventually you know make a sweet 16 like it's (laughs) So, you would think you would. <laughs> yeah, no, it's just like, I don't know. Yeah. So, and so that's how I, yeah, that's how I've thought of that. And then I kind of turned it into our general expectations of what Wojo should be. And there seems to be kind of the consensus that success means he's contending for the Big East every year and occasionally having a national powerhouse house team whereas that would probably make him what like the eighth best coach in the whole country so i think as it relates to overall wojo expectations i think this year being the average is probably fine also a big thing to consider i'm kind of off the wall right now but this is his going to be his sixth year not just at Marquette, just as a head coach. Like, if this were Shaka Smart doing this right now, I'd be a lot more weary of our progress as a program because we kind of know what Shaka Smart is. He had one good year at VCU and has been kind of meh at Texas, but 
every year the overall expectations of the team have improved except for 2018 where the expectation was again to make the tournament but every year the expectations have been increasing and every year he's at least come close to making them if not meeting and exceeding them mm-hmm. and so those are my overall wojo takes i'm just getting them out of the way now the, because the, the thing i wanted to say about your wojo mick cronin resume thing is i think a huge uh a differentiator and a huge reason why Mick Cronin is being panned as UCLA's hire is because even though Wojo delivering that kind of success would be satisfying if there was occasional tournament run, he also has the aesthetics of the way that Marquette's teams have played going for him. And mm-hmm. Cincinnati plays a very... Distinctly unsexy. <laughs> Correct. That's a good way to put it. Distinctly unsexy style. I so... went to... Random off topic. Last year, so my dad went to Wichita State. And so that's how I've become a vocal shocker fan, if you follow Wushocker. me on Twitter. Yeah, Wushock. Um, so angry. I went to my... <laughs> Not anymore. They don't play defense anymore. Anyway... Uh, so my dad and I went to our first ever Wichita State game together last year against Cincinnati, and we were there probably like 30, 45 minutes before the game, and so they were doing like their warm-ups, and those guys were like tackling each other. It was yeah. unlike anything I have ever seen. Like, they were just like mean to each other, like it was a football practice. It was just the strangest thing, and so... I just really yeah, don't I, think it's going to fit in, in at UCLA. I just ooh, think not at all. It's the culture shock is going to be so weird. Well, that culture shock and then the expectations of that fan base are absurd, borderline psychopathic right. at times. And then, yeah. like, Howland deserved better. Yeah, it, yeah, Howland deserved better. I'm so excited for the first time that like Mick. Cron- so like Mick Cronin this year, um, Cincinnati got blown out by Houston in Cincinnati, I think, to end the regular season in the AAC. And Mick Cronin went up to the podium and said that I was embarrassed. I certainly hope my players are embarrassed. Maybe we should have open tryouts and see who really cares. So I'm really <laughs> excited to see what the UCLA fan base does when he first does that for UCLA players. Like, Come on, dude. Why you got to say that, man? You know, Just be cool. That's a, I think that's a miserable hire. But um, I think they should have hired Luke Walton. So Bill Walton could have been like mm-hmm. like a special advisor. I think it should have been Barack Obama if we're going with Bill Walton's official suggestions well, here. Given given their uh, their search uh, trajectory, I think they probably thought they could convince Barack Obama to coach. <laughs> they were trying to get everybody. I just oh. it's just so funny that they're like, hey, we might put like Coach Calipari fielded our call. Who did we end up with? Mick Cronin. Yeah. It's just. Oh. Okay, uh, back to Marquette really quick. Uh, so him. now that I've had a time to cool off a little bit after the what can only be probably described as the hot take podcast right after coming back from Hartford, um, I think that Ben has some pretty good points about Wojo's consistency. We've definitely seen them get better every year. We've you know we've seen expectations improve, and like Ben said, we've definitely gotten close to everything and like this year we did run into the buzzsaw that was John Morant and a team that was slumping at the wrong time and our own All-American who was more than likely hurt um, more severely than was being let on Um, and you know it just you know it does happen Um, I I have confidence in Wojo going forward although I definitely did do my own questioning in the 
sort of the aftermath of that loss. Oh, but, I did too. <laughs> um, yeah. So anyway, uh, Ben, any other hot takes? Any ideas for Marquette next year? Well, um, maybe we can maybe we can throw this at you um, and just have a conversation about this in general. Um, how about those uh, way too early top twenty fives? Those are mm-hmm. those are looking good. Those are looking mighty I, fine. I cannot believe I cannot believe that the Marquette basketball Twitter account tweeted out like a picture of the best four today. Yeah, that was <laughs> that mm, was a little bit. That too is much. not what you want to do. What do you? <laughs> this is not what you want. <laughs> so. Like, why would you try to reset expectations super high on something that's completely arbitrary? You are begging, begging to get freezing cold ticked. Yeah. Oh, God. and then like we don't. I know that. So like Seth Davis had us in the mid 30s, but he was also under the assumption that Marcus Howard wasn't coming back. Yeah. Um, whereas Borzello had us at two, which is probably the strangest range I've ever seen. On um, that Derek Jeter wave. Yeah. Just. <laughs> I just I don't I don't I don't understand the 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 top two I don't even understand top five really because I think I can name five teams that will well, more than likely the be top the top five of any poll should be the established blue bloods that return their most of their lineups yeah so like next year like we can assume that Virginia will be in the top five next year mm-hmm. we we can assume that. Michigan State will probably be in the top five. Michigan State, yeah, because because Car- oh. Cassius isn't leaving. And- no, and then assuming how well Chris Beard bounces off of this, um, and I, I don't know what his recruiting class class looks like coming in next I year. Gonna- if he can do something with Zaire Smith, then he can do anything with anyone. Yeah. So I, Texas Tech will probably be a top ten program, um next year yeah. to start um obviously duke will reload kentucky will reload right. um kansas UNC- sucks i'm just gonna yeah i don't know what kansas is gonna do quentin grimes quentin grimes just went pro a couple hours ago yeah yeah i saw that i said i'd be willing to bet my house that he comes back but i didn't even think he'd be testing the waters at all and Diedrich is gone yeah. his brother kj is gone like i isn't charlie moore and kj both transferring uh yeah, both Chuckles Moore and KJ are gonna be transferring. I mean, Charlie Moore wasn't really doing much, but I liked KJ sure. quite a bit. But like right now, it's Devon Dotson, Ochai Abaji, you know, Kazubuke, and the FBI, and they have like no recruits, and so people have them in the top ten just because like it's Kansas, so they're gonna be top ten. But yeah. I don't think they'll be ranked by the end of the year. But that's kind of a long but kind of along the Marquette like high rankings, I think part of that is a little bit to do with riders just tripping over themselves to try and be the first one to say like, "Hey, this new team is going to be good." Like they were kind of doing the same thing with Nevada last year. Like it was like people had them in the top three because people haven't really heard them. This is a team to watch out for. Subscribe to the Athletic, that type of thing. <laughs> <It's>, uh, <laughs> And so, and so I think that's a little bit of what's going on here. Um, if you look at the T-Rank 2020 projections, he has them um, uh, at number 11 right now, which I think, that's I think a is a nice spot. I think it's very, very fair. But he also has the defense getting 
worse next year, which I don't really no. get. No. I don't get that. No. I so, mean, it depends on, like, I, I could see that being the case maybe if the – so I, that's assuming – I guess I don't know what numbers he would use for the end-of-year stuff for that. I got to um, ask him about that. But uh, I am curious to see, like, what the loss of – Again, Chartuni was not the 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 top level defender he was at Fordham this year for Marquette. Um, I'm wondering how much just the impact of his prior stats had on that. I'm wondering how much of that was the down Big East in terms of pure offensive threat. Um, I'm wondering, and I know that all of these are usually adjusted for level of competition. Um, but I'm just I'm just I'm kind of curious about that, and then maybe it's also the projection of like more Joey minutes. Um, at least, you know, I test for me is that Joey and Sam are both not stupidly athletic three, four mm-hmm. players that have to guard way more athletic, quick, um, you know, leapers. So yep. it, it could be a projection based upon um, projected minutes, too. Um, but who knows? That, that is a good question. I know that uh, you you ping him every once in a while with some some questions. So that would be a, a good yeah, I'm very annoying to him. Yeah. <laughs> um, I guess, uh, yeah, so I think I agree with Pat. Um, sort of, I, I like us at the 11 to 15 range right now, even with Marcus coming back. Um, yeah, not too much pressure on us. Yeah, I mean, like, that that's kind of where we were supposed to be anyway going into this year if Marcus was coming back and everything mm-hmm. was as it is. Um, you know, I think that, that that gives us a little leeway of, like, if we start a little bit slow, especially if we're going to play another really good out-of-conference schedule, Um you know, we don't get hurt too bad by it. Um, but it also means that, like, there there is still a little bit of a, a warm seat underneath the team um, as mm-hmm. a whole, where it's like you can't consistently underperform with the top-level talent. I, I, I like the idea of just enough pressure, but not like, hey, uh, you know, Borzello dropped you at number two. You better make a final. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I'm um, kind of hoping that they schedule, like, a really good mid-major team because they're going to be playing at Kansas State next year and Kansas State is going to suck next year. And they're we are at, everyone. So we know we are at Wisconsin next year for sure. We are at Kansas State. Um, BT Dubs, if anyone uh, wants to go to literally Manhattan, Kansas for whatever reason you shouldn't want to, but that's a game I'm probably going to end up going to. The Little Apple? The Little Apple. Actually, okay, funny short story. I thought that the Little Apple was the original name. Like, I didn't realize it was an offset of the Big Apple. I thought it was the opposite way growing up. Oh. Growing up go. in Kansas that, that's super, leads you that, to a little bit of a bubbled worldview. That's super towny. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, and then, uh, so I know uh, actually talking about uh, Alan um, for Crack Sidewalks, he ran through a list of some very potentially good mid-majors to schedule Um mm for next year i think uh it was it was unc greensboro that i was really excited about mm-hmm. um, where you know they I, I think they returned most of the players that made them very good this year um they're going to probably be next year's you know belmont um level mid-major um them in utah state i want zero yes. part of utah state yeah utah state is yeah. a monster person and then sam merrill is the returning uh player of the year in that conference too yeah and so, the other bald kid, whatever his name was. I, I don't I don't have their lineup memorized, but you're I know who you're talking about. Um, I guess another good one would probably be, and I know that Belmont's losing a lot of guys, but they just hired a very good replacement for Rick Bird, 
um, and Casey Alexander. Uh, they're they're still going to have a bunch of guys that um, were you know contributors, if not star players, um, on that uh, at large bid team um, coming back. So I think the Belmont would be a good schedule if we can get them. Um, I think that Belmont, Lipscomb, UNC Greensboro, Utah State are all going to be sort of at the level that Buffalo was last year. Um, in terms of like, if you oh, can get a, them to come to language you. now, yeah, you know how I, I love Buffalo. <laughs> <laughs> but if you, if you can get them to come to you, I think that that's um, mm-hmm. a really good uh, game to have because it's you know with how good this team should be next year, it's a very good win to have in the back pocket, but it still shouldn't be like a, a biting your nails and hoping to God you win an overtime type of game. You know, again, crossing your fingers, don't mm-hmm. let that happen. Hey, you know, you know what's another team that we're definitely playing next year is St. John's. Uh-oh. You mean, the, you mean the six walk-ons that they're going to have playing next <laughs> oh year? Oh, my God. It's going to be so beautiful. Oh, poor Mustafa Heron. Yeah, oh, and he, he transferred for all the right reasons, too. Like, his mom yeah. was, like, legitimately sick. It wasn't just, like, a small thing. It was, like, they, they weren't cer- sure how long she was going to make it, and she actually ended up getting better, which is awesome to hear. And he transferred into a team with Shamori Pons and Justin Simon and Marvin Clark. A top 25 uh, level roster. Yeah. And Chris Mullen could still not coach his way out of a paper bag. And now he's gone and everybody's leaving. And it's going to be Mustafa Heron and six guys that they find um, playing on New York public courts. Uh, well, if they get Bobby Hurley. Um, I have which... no faith in Bobby Hurley going to St. John's. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't think it's anywhere near a sure thing. But if they get Bobby Hurley, they kind of came out of this okay, especially. And I don't know how confirmed this is, um, but I believe I reached out to one of you guys about this. Um, that Chris Mullen wanted to hire Mike Rice. Yes, yes, he did. And and that's part of why he ended up quitting. And like, well, so. That's, That's probably bad. good that St. John's didn't want to hire Mike Rice. Yeah, I would agree. Like Mike Rice is no, that's not what Mike Rice is not a college basketball coach in 2019, just the way that society is. Um and then also uh yeah, I mean if if they don't get Hurley, I worry that they are really going to strike out because like what can you say about like how the administration um treats your coach when your most famous player of all time just quits. Um, but if they do get Bobby Hurley, I think that might have been, that might end up being a strong move for them because eventually Bobby Hurley could probably make that program relevant, but it's just a matter of they have to get Bobby Hurley otherwise. In addition, if I'm Bobby Ho- Hurley, I Bobby Burley. <laughs> oh, God. oh, thank you. Thank you for that. I, I think that, um, and I made a really bad joke on Twitter based upon so uh, Adam Zagoria was commenting about the St. John's situation. Quote tweeted him. Um, so they were talking about like if they don't get Bobby Hurley, they're think- looking at uh, Tim Cluis at Iona, um, which would actually be fine. Yeah, which would be a that that's like the the, the pretty the pretty good secondary hire if you don't get I Hurley. Like, I feel like you go be Iona's coach to go be St. John's coach after you're done. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I made the really bad joke of you'd be clueless not to hire clueless and then pro- <laughs> proceeded to hate myself as I tweeted it. But um, I, I respected that, it. But I think that's a pretty good. 
higher if you don't get Bobby Hurley. You can't, and you can't have it turn into UCLA where Calipari says no, and then Rick Barnes says no, and then everybody else says no, and finally you get to Mick Cronin, and he says yes. Like you have to like have a very reasonable secondary option. I will say I think most reasonable, sane college basketball programs generally conduct fairly disciplined coach searches, and that UCLA is just an outlier tire fire. That's That's really good. Nice uh, rhyming, my God! (laughs) But uh, yeah, as I was saying that, I was like, "Oh, this this really sounds good." (laughs) Um, I guess who's your? Just I'm going to give you guys a second and ramble a little bit. Um, If you so like the the question I'm going to pose, and then I'll give you um, my answer to it while you guys consider who's your dark horse for that uh, that opening at St. John's. And yeah. I, I was really hoping um, – I know that he got hired before the whole Mullen thing happened. Um, the, the head coach of Wofford, Mike Young, correct? He became mm-hmm. Virginia Tech's coach. I think he would have been very good there because he would have turned it into another, like, Wofford shooter U, um, which would be really aesthetically pleasing for the New York um, basketball scene. Um, and then I, I, he literally just got hired at George Washington away from – Siena, Jamie on Christian was coaching at Siena, got hired this year by George Washington. I think he would have been a good replacement as well. Um, had the or if the Bobby Hurley thing were to fall through. But do you guys have a dark horse that you can think off the top of your head? Yeah, I've got one. Hit it came up to me as I was thinking. John Becker, head coach of Vermont Univers or the University of Vermont. Ooh, that is a That's very a good- I saw- I saw Vermont in person in Hartford. That's right. Uh, that's a good Florida one. State, and that was awesome. So, yeah, that's a very good dark Becker, horse. Becker gets talked about all the time as, like, why is he still coaching at Vermont? And I think that as someone that has family from Burlington, where Vermont is, I think that um, Vermont is, like, a really awesome place to be the basketball coach of University of Vermont. Um, and that... It's also a fairly established um, mid-major program in New England to where you can pretty much make it work. So I understand why he hasn't left necessarily. Um, but, you know, if the, you're looking like mid-major schools in the, in the uh, you know, Northeast, I think that's a good candidate to look at. I, I, Clueless, Clueless, I think, makes the most sense overall. Um, I think that that's a, I mean, like I said, like, I feel like you take the Iona job to eventually take the St. John's job. So it like that, I think is, he's probably the best uh, candidate on that spectrum, but I like Becker and I think Becker should be Becker. Could, Becker could get a better job than Vermont if he wanted to. Um, Cincinnati, Cincinnati's open. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, that's a good job. I guess Except that's, that's, that's probably the North Kentucky, Northern Kentucky's coach uh, job to lose. I would think. But, yeah, I think that that's a good hire because that guy's been good, and I think that would be a good choice for them, probably. Ben, ben you got any hot takes on that? Or uh, I've got a name, uh, Chris Jans out of New Mexico oh, State. Oh, yeah. He, I, I didn't know what he was going to do because the whole play angry thing under Greg Marshall, we all kind of thought that it was Greg Marshall that was causing all this really intense defense because he is a very, very mad person in general. Um, but as it turns out, 
the play Angry Magic came from his top assistant, Chris Jans. And so last few years, he's taken New Mexico State to a 12 seed. And this year came after losing his best player, Zach Lofton, who I think might have been the last college basketball player to be older than me. I think. He was 25 last year. It was the weirdest thing. But this year, he played like... He played like 12, 13 guys deep. It was an insane lack of like continuity just throughout the course of a game. And he had them flowing on offense about as well as you could expect. And he plays some really, really good defense. I pay attention to them a little bit in the whack this year. Um, they had a yeah, game against so Grand my, Canyon. Uh, family, my family is really associated with Seattle University, and that's uh, that conference. Um, mm-hmm. And, yeah, can't say enough about, um, especially since he kind of had to do a handoff um, from, I don't remember the name of the coach before him, um, but – he has not been the coach there um, the whole time. New Mexico State has been good, I don't think. Was he, when did he leave Wichita? Um, uh, I think it was after he had a stint at Bowling Green, and he got fired yeah. for being a little bit problematic. I think he might have come back for a year. He took and the then, he took the gig in seventeen. So yeah, after Google. Paul Weir left. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, like Jans, I don't think ever coached Pascal Siakam or anything. Um, but, um, he, that program continues to just churn out like really talented athletic players in the ilk of Siakam, um, who is, if you're listening to this and haven't heard that name, watch a little bit more NBA because he's been amazing in the NBA this year. But yeah, overall, uh, Chris Jantz, I think could be a dark horse cause he's only been doing this for couple years now and he hasn't made that like big tournament run that like the Porter Moser where you make one tournament run and wow this Porter guy needs Poser. to get hired somewhere even Porter though the Porter Poser. Moser just yeah he kind of yeah that, that was not a good job this year I feel bad for Clayton Custer shout out Overland Park native hmm. are you All from right. Overland Park yeah OPKS born and okay. raised man I like, the I greatest like city on earth. I like Overland Park. Uh, I've, been to calm down. I've been to the top golf at Overland Park. Hey, I was there a few months ago. Yeah. Anyway. Uh... That's, all, that's all the fun hot takes I got for us. So, Do we want to uh, talk about more about Overland Park, actually? No, I mean, no, no, no. <laughs> the Overland Park. The, yeah, no. Let's, There'll I, be I a total of probably... two people that understand the references that I would make, and one of them is Joe McCann. Oh, oh there you go. All right. Shout out Joe McCann. Yeah. Um, all right, Sam. I think we can wrap it here. I think we've I think we've had a we've hit on a lot of different stuff. Um, I guess one thing I'll say before we go is um, I know that on previous pods I've been Marcus Howard is gone. I'm feeling less that way um, in the last since the season ended. Um, only because I haven't heard it from anywhere, and I figured I would have, especially since it's been some time you know and like we're well into declaring for the draft season szn um and it's i haven't seen it anywhere um i don't know if that means he won't declare um i don't know if that means he'll declare and come back um but i'm less sure about it than i used to be 
Um, and also, I think Sam Hauser should declare for the draft and uh, come back to school just so he mm-hmm. can get that experience um, as a junior. I think. I yeah, if they're not if they're not declaring for the draft, they're probably doing their own skill set a disservice. In yeah, my opinion. exactly. I think like Sam Hauser is a pro prospect. He's not a pro prospect uh, that would get drafted right now, but. Mm-hmm with another year successful at the college level, he probably would get drafted. Yeah. Um, and if his shooting ticks up over 40%, was it 40% this year? I think it might've been just below. I think um, his three point percentage, I think was just below 40. And that's really cause he had that sort of really bad stretch, like three or four games where he just couldn't hit any. Oh, he got it. He got it over. He oh, good. Good for him. We were on. Um, I think shout out to Sam. Shout out to Woo. Sam. Uh, good name haver. Um, but I think <laughs> one more thing too to uh, think about. I think um, it probably wouldn't hurt for Sakar to go explore it a little bit. I'm, I, I, I think he should at least explore it so he can get the same feedback. Um, I'm hoping he doesn't grad transfer. I don't think he will. But I don't think he will either. There's a lot of people that like to project Kobe McEwen taking a smart starting spot, and if. Um, you know, we saw Brendan Bailey and Jamal Kane, and with the return of Greg Elliott, we've seen all that. But I just I don't see Sakar's level of investment in this program turning into a grad transfer. I agree. Um, I think he, but that's why I think that like I think he has some legitimate pro prospects. I, I don't know if they're as good as Marcus or Sam, but I think it would behoove him to at least get some pro feedback and say Sakar's going to play professional basketball for sure. Yes, I agree. Not exactly sure where, and I don't think it's going to be the NBA for a very long time unless he kind of takes a step forward, but he's a professional basketball player at some point for a large amount of time. um, Especially if his shot uh, continues to develop the kind of consistency that it did this year. I agree. Um, Ben, do you have any thoughts on that? While, while we still have you? Uh, as we wrap up, uh, vote for the damn scouting project. Uh, takes a lot of time, even though I love doing it anyway. Um, help me contribute and form great opinions so I can pawn them off as my own and completely disregard the fact <laughs> that it's everyone else's. Um, shout out to myself tomorrow morning for probably cringing at hearing the sound of my own voice. For the first time it's on, never camp, good. on it's podcasts good. like this, oh yeah, it takes it takes a couple of times to get. Oh, I, I'm I'm never gonna get used to it. I'm probably just not even gonna listen to it at all. At yeah. all. Well, I, we can just delete all this. I mean, we don't need to keep it. Okay. Yeah, it's just an, a nice conversation between pals, you know. Yeah, we were just chatting. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. Can't record, right, Sam? <laughs> <laughs> I hate you. I hate you both. Uh, okay. All right, folks, I think that's all good for us. Ben, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, and uh, as always, uh, thank you for listening. Please read Ben's Scouting Project. Please vote in Ben's Scouting Project. Um, I'm begging and- you, Andy, will stop feeding me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That's Ben's life depends on it. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, uh, let's. we'll probably check back in uh, when there's some more Marquette news to discuss. All right, P. Chris Mullen. Oh, yeah. P. Chris Mullen. You want to see Chris Mullen.